Welcome to Circles of Gold. This is Danielle, and I am so glad that you're here. I really hope you enjoy this next story. Today's guest is my friend Jerry. She shares her story about pregnancy, the loss of her second daughter, and the trauma she had to walk through. Her story will leave you with a new look at maternal health and the importance of good care. Hey everyone, welcome to Circles of Gold. This week my guest is Jerry. And I met Jerry, I don't know, probably, I know probably more than five years ago um, through, I want to say social media, Facebook. She was a photographer and I was a photographer at the time and she was from my area, but had moved away and somehow we connected through photography and um, we were friends on social media. So I got to see kind of a lot of things play out in her life and I really felt like this was a story that could be told. And, um, I think you guys are going to really like her story. So Jerry, welcome to the show. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are? Yes. Thank you. So, uh, my name is Jerry and right now I live in Midland, Texas with my husband and my two little girls. And, um, we, uh, have eight year old, her name's Kylie and she's super sweet into ballerina and dancing and stuff and then we have our little rambunctious Aubrey who is almost three next week and she just goes with the flow and does whatever sister does and has that spitfire attitude about it too (laughs) (laughs) she she keeps us on her toes for sure and then my husband Dean we have been high school sweethearts or I guess high school best friends really and we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary, and he's a pilot, so he flies a lot. And so I'm kind of a, a, a single mom. I don't want to put that label on it, but, you know, part of the time, it's it's just me running around chasing my two little girls. Awesome. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's really cool to just, like, seeing your story of, like, how you guys were friends in high school, and now you're celebrating your 10-year anniversary. Congratulations. That's a big... Thank you. I feel like that's a big milestone. Like, you get to 10, and you're like, yes, we made it to 10. And you're like, oh, we got to get to 20. <laughs> I know. But I remember when my brother hit 10 with his wife, I remember thinking, like, whoa, this is huge. And then now I'm like, this is... That's it? Like, that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, we're at 10. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, we made it. That was, all, that's that awesome. was fun. <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah. Um, okay, so where do you want to start your story? Well, um, I guess I can kind of start with Kylie. I mean, she kind of just started the whole motherhood journey for us, I guess. Um, when I was about two, second trimester, I went in for my 30-week ultrasound and everything was fine. And then a week later, the doctor called and said, we need you to come back. We need to do another ultrasound. And I was just thinking, being, you know, young and naive, oh, I just, I didn't drink enough water. I need to drink more water. Maybe my fluid was low, you know, Mm -hmm. not knowing that that is even a thing. But it turned out her stomach was completely blocked off. Mm -hmm. And they threw tons of syndromes at us and you know, they did the whole, if you want to abort, you can, and we can do that amnio test. But by the time we get the results, she would already be here. And, um, I mean, for the next 
you know, five, six weeks, we just freaked out and just prayed and was just basically put it in God's hand and just said, you know, if this is what it is, this is what it is. You know, there's nothing we can do about it. We just Mm -hmm. love her no matter what. And, and that's about it. And so we lived in a really small town in Utah at the time. So the nearest NICU was three hours away. And so my in-laws gracefully brought their um, trailer camper up there and we parked it at a KOA for two weeks waiting for me to go to labor and I never did. So they induced and um, 26 loving hours later, (laughs) (laughs) we had our sweet little Kylie and they whisked her away. Like we didn't even see her. We didn't even hear her cry. Like Mm. it was just, she was gone. And, um, we basically the, the next like two weeks was a blur, but for me, I hemorrhaged and, um, I don't know why. I think it was because they induced me when they shouldn't have, I was still at a zero. I was not even ready. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then the 26 hours of labor, my body was just like, what is this happening? You know, just didn't know what was happening. And so I started hemorrhaging because my body wouldn't go back to normal and I lost 60% of my blood and yeah. And I remember the anesthesiologists or someone had told me, I mean, we had the whole entire floor in our room and just, it was just chaos. And I remember going in and out of being alert and not, but I remember someone saying, if this doesn't work, we're going to have to take your uterus out. And I remember I just started bawling and the anesthesiologist said, hey, I know that's not ideal, but like, it's either this or we save your life. And, and then like, I learned two years later that my husband who was, I remember him brushing my forehead and then he went away and I'm like, learned two years later that he went in the bathroom and was just like bawling hysterically Mm. you know because and I remember the nurse came in she said okay your baby's ready and he was like I didn't stay here like it was like a little bit of a I don't know if my wife is gonna survive this Mm -hmm. and so I mean for that to be like a first like delivery experience it just shocked all of us you know like even my mom she was like we were this whole time we were worried about Kylie and her stomach we never even thought Jerry you know something's gonna be wrong with Jerry and so two years or two years later two hours later I had finally stopped bleeding they got it under control and um I got to go see Kylie she was great she um, had a little bit of a fever, but I think that's because I had a fever. I mean, it was just a little normal first 24 hours, little hiccups, mm-hmm. but she had surgery four hours later or four days later. And, um, her stomach, like we thought her stomach was just blocked, but when the doctor got in there, he said the entire intestines and everything was flipped and it's called malrotation. Mm-hmm. And so when you're like 10 weeks pregnant, I guess like all the intestines for the baby goes through the umbilical cord is kind of what I remember hearing and mm-hmm. it rotates. Well, hers never rotated. And so everything was upside down and oh. it caused, yeah, it's crazy. And it caused her, um, 
her duodenal, which I didn't even know that mm-hmm. was a thing, it caused that to wrap around her pancreas. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, and then it, like, blocked off her duodenal, or her pancreas wrapped around her duodenal. Maybe that's what it was. And um, and pancreas, you know, you don't touch it. Like, if it's messed up, you just don't even mm-hmm. mess with it. So what he had to do was re-rotate everything, and then he made a bypass for the duodenal. It was basically like a funnel to go around that part of the pancreas so he didn't mess with it. So wow. te- Yeah, so technically she still has a knot in her pancreas and um and then she has her appendix is taken out so he went ahead and took that out because he said you know when she's older she may go to the doctor they may do x-rays and everything's in the wrong place still and they just may get confused and so he went ahead and took that out and um but she's I mean it was a 35 days in the NICU. It was very, very up and down. And it was never life-threatening, I don't think. I mean, unless if I was oblivious to that part. And so I'm very grateful for, you know, our position and our stance that we were in the NICU. Like, it wasn't... I, I always can say it wasn't as bad as it could be. And especially seeing other babies in there you know, that were born at 22 weeks, 25 weeks, and had every machine on the floor hooked up to them, which I did find out later, they all went home. They were all Mm. good. But, you know, you just, it gives you this, like, like, value of life, you know, and, and it's just like, I can handle a little surgery, and, and we're good. But, uh, but yeah, she's good. She has a huge scar across her stomach, and, and she uh, luckily doesn't even notice it's there. And um, I call her my little miracle baby. <laughs> but then about, I think she was about three years old, we were kind of like, okay, I think we're going to try for another one. And um, we tried, and we tried and tried and tried for about a year. And then at the year mark, I was like, I think this is where... Like, we need to go get help. (laughs) And so I went to the doctor, and he said, everything looks fine. And he, I don't remember what he gave me. He gave me some kind of medicine to kind of just help regulate things and maybe just to where we can plan it. I mean, maybe it was progesterone. Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't Clomid. I asked for that, and he, he was like, we're not there just yet. But we luckily got pregnant excuse me and I remember when I took that pregnancy test I was at my mom's house and I looked at I was like okay there's no way this is positive like I don't even feel pregnant I don't even have any symptoms like usually you have something and so I called Dean all three of my pregnancies I've had to call and tell my husband over the phone (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's the joy of a traveling husband. Right. (laughs) And so I remember calling him, and I was like, or I FaceTimed him, and I was like, hey, do you you see this? Like, is that that pregnant? And he's like, I don't know. And he's like, I mean, look (laughs) at the instructions. And and I was like, that's that's the line. And so I was like, okay. So I took a picture of it, and I remember that day I took a, uh, I did a wedding, a photographer, I photographed a wedding. And the mother of the groom was a nurse, and I was kind of real close with her. And so I showed her the picture, and I was like, 
I mean, I've only done a digital. Like, is this, this is legit. Like, it's very faint. She goes, oh, that's 100% pregnant. Oh. Yeah. And so I was like, hallelujah. And I, like, ran, you know, so excited. And I told my mom. And so my mom was the first to know. And, and we were excited. And everything was great. We, I don't remember... I think we just kind of just did it normal. Like, you know, you call the doctor, you set up the appointment and, and then we did our first initial ultrasound and we go in there and it's just me and the girl. Dean, of course, was on the road. So he missed, he missed the good chunk of this pregnancy, but we had the ultrasound and, you know, you have the heartbeat that goes boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And hers was boom, 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 swoosh, boom, 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 swoosh, boom. And so it was like every third, fourth beat, it skipped. Mm. And so I immediately was like, that's not okay. And so, of course, the ultrasound tech isn't going to tell me anything. And so I just kind of sat there just, you know, privately freaking out. And then I go to the other room and the doctor comes in and they're like, okay, everything looks great. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, well, her heart sounds horrible. And he was like, what do you mean? And he, so he went back out to go listen to it. And, um, and I will like give you a heads up. I did not like this doctor in the long run. And you'll find out why the more I get into this, oh. but yeah. <laughs> so he came back in and he's like, oh yeah, it does sound wrong. Maybe it's a little arrhythmia. We'll give it some time. She's much too young for anything to be alarming. And so, but he did say her neck, um, oh, I can't remember what that is. The the NT fold, um, it was much too thick. And so that was another sign of a bunch of syndromes. So we went through all the lists that we did with Kylie. And it was like, oh, she could have Down syndrome. She could have this T18 or, you know, all Mm -hmm. the, all of them. And then he did the whole, you can abort if you want, you can do this, we can do that. It's just, she's so young or so little, there's not much we can do right now, but wait. And so we immediately started doing all the blood work and, um, it was the one where like, they tell you about all the syndromes and the gender and all that, you know, Mm -hmm. so it was kind of a bittersweet meeting you know like I didn't know if I could be excited to be pregnant I didn't know if I can celebrate or what do I do I don't have my husband to hug on and so we kind of just were in a a daze and he said the the test would take 10 days to come back and it was a good three weeks and I was just like freaking out, calling the doctor every day. And they were like, we just don't have it yet. We don't have it yet. Well, finally I pulled some strings and got one of my friends that works at the same office, but a different doctor. She found out that their fax machine was down and she's like, what? So they're like waiting on all these faxes for three weeks. Yeah. And so she finally started it to where they can get it in. So they faxed mine to her doctor and, and stuff like that. And so they called and I remember the nurse calling and she said, everything is fine. And I remember screaming and crying and she was crying. I don't even know this girl. (laughs) I mean, it was just like this joyous, 
occasion. And um, so my sister-in-law got the gender and we did, you know, we didn't know for a few days. I was like, I just want to just basket in that, that she's okay. That she's okay. healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we had a family trip about five days later. We all went up to um, Red River, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And when we got there, my sister-in-law did a fun little nursery rhyme scavenger hunt around the trailer park that or the RV park, I guess I should say. Um, and then it led to some cupcakes in the oven, a bun in the oven, and they were pink on the inside. So we were having yet another girl. And um, we named her Sadie Ann. And Sadie, I don't know how we came across the name Sadie. We just loved it. And then Anne is my middle name. And uh, and so it was our Sadie. And I was about 14 weeks in. And I remember just like having this little just angel or something on my shoulder or in my head saying, it, don't get too excited. You know, it's just mm. always that it's not because I remember thinking okay her neck fold is fine but her heart still had that fourth beat and so um as soon as we got back I bought a Doppler for my home and Mm. I remember checking like religiously on her heartbeat and recording it and sending it to everybody and saying do you still hear this and it was almost to where it was an obsession because I felt like my doctor at the time didn't understand the importance of her fourth heartbeat is skipping every single time. Yeah. And so um, it was about 17 weeks. And I remember I felt her kicking one night and that was the first time I felt her kick. And then the next day I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel any movement. And I was kind of like, okay, maybe that, maybe I just dreamt that, you know, and um, about, Three days later, I had uh, an appointment, and he did the Doppler, and he found a heartbeat, and he was like, everything's great, everything's fine, her heartbeat's about a 111, and I don't hear the the swoosh anymore, and I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, and I remember thinking, I had like a little Fitbit at the time, and I always have a high heart rate when I'm pregnant, and so I remember thinking, that's usually what my heart rate is. Is he checking my heart rate? Yeah. And so I pulled him back in. I was like, I'm not questioning, you know, what you're doing, but are you sure that's not my heart rate? And he's like, no, no, there's no way I can catch your heart rate that low. And I was like, okay, okay, fine. You know, just I threw my hands in the air. I was like, all right, I'll take your word for it. But I still had not felt any movement whatsoever. And then about four days later, I called him and I was like, y'all, I can't, I still haven't felt movement. I know what I'm feeling. I mean, I was only about 18 and a half weeks then. And so I feel like I knew what I was feeling or looking for and I knew what it felt like and I knew something was wrong. And so I called her, she said, come on in, we'll do another heart rate check. You're fine. So I go in, um, she did a heart rate check. She said everything was fine. The doctor did the same thing. Dean was actually with me for this one. Oh, that's and, good. Yeah. And um, he said, everything, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And um, 
you know what? Backtrack. That was actually the day I felt the heart rate or the, the baby kicks. And then the next day we went to a heart specialist. That's what it was. We went to a heart specialist and he was like, I don't see babies until they're 22 weeks. And I was like, I know, but we know something's wrong and we just need to see if we can just beat it or treat it before it gets yeah. too worse. And just to see what is going on. Yeah. Just kind of see <clears throat> if we can at least prepare or, you know, do something. And so he pulls out his machine and he did an ultrasound, which I remember like looking at it and there wasn't any movement, but it wasn't really a normal ultrasound machine. It was more blood flow. Mm. And he was like, I don't even see any blood flow. And so I was like, really? And he's like, she's just much too young. I think she's just too small for me to see on my machine. I don't even see blood flow on her. And so I didn't think at the time that means she's gone. And, and it turns out that's really what it was. She was gone. But, Mm. um, so we just kind of were like, okay, she's just too young or too little. And so we made an appointment for about six weeks later and then went about around our way. And then that's when I called the doctor a couple days later and I was like, hey, he didn't even see blood flow. Like by this time, the doctor and his nurses were so annoyed with me <laughs> because I just kept going in saying, yeah. I need another heart rate check. And so I said, he didn't even see blood flow. Like, that's not normal. And she was like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. And so I went back in and um, they did the same thing, said, oh, it's 111. I remember showing her my Fitbit. And I was like, my Fitbit says mine is 111. And she's like, no, you're fine. You're fine. I promise. Well, then um, that was the Tuesday. And that was the one where Dean was with me. Um, and we were totally fine. Everything was great. And then Friday, Dean was gone. He was on the road. And I woke up and I looked in the, you know, when you're pregnant, the first thing you do is look at your belly every morning. You're like, yeah. how, how big is it today? And I, I was about 19 and a half weeks at that time. So it was a good two and a half weeks of arguing with my doctor and his nurses. And um, so I go in the bathroom and I look and my bump was... 95% gone. Oh my goodness. Yes. And I had not leaked any fluid. I had not had any cramping. There was no other sign of miscarriage except for my belly was gone. And I took a picture and I sent it to my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law. And I was like, this isn't right. And they're like, well, maybe it's just the angle. And so I sent them 500 angles. And then I would do like a side-by-side of my 17 weak bump. And I was like, y'all, I had a belly and now I just have a normal belly, you know, I'm like, this is not right. And I remember waking up that morning and just having this sense of, okay, like I felt like God was like, Jerry, this is it. You put your big girl pants on. Here we go. You know? And, Mm -hmm. and as soon as I saw my belly, I was like, this is it. This is, this is when my world is about to change. And I told my mother-in-law, I said, I'm just going to go drive up to the doctor. I'm not even going to call him. I'm just going to tell him, like, I demand an ultrasound. I don't want any more of the Doppler. I want an actual ultrasound. And I had my little 
Kylie with me. She was three, maybe four at the time. And um, so I drove up there and my mother-in-law was like, I'll meet you. Let me meet you. And I was like, I really, I'm fine. Like, I, I just have this sense of, I, I, I got this, you know? And she met me. Now I look back and I'm like, thank goodness. And so she stayed in the lobby with Kylie and I went in and uh, the nurse took me into a room first and she did the exact same thing, did the Doppler. And I told her, I was like, hey, look, like one day her heart rate was like 170. The next day it was like 90. Like it, it's all over the place. I don't feel her. I, y'all are giving me my heart rate. Like something is wrong. I need more. And she actually was very rude and cussed at me. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, she said, basically, we don't have time to do this every time you get nervous, but said a little cuss word in there. And um, Wow. Yeah. And so then she said, you know what, let me go get your doctor. We'll, We'll just do something. And so they pulled me to the other room, and I sat there. And he came in. He's like, all right, what's going on? So I told him the whole spiel yet again. And I'm kind of like, do you not know me by now? Right. <laughs> and um, and so he was kind of just oblivious to all of it. And he pulled in like an old, old, old-fashioned ultrasound, which I was grateful we were finally doing the ultrasound. And I remember laying back. And, um, he did the ultrasound and then it was just dead quiet and he turned it off. And then he said, your predictions were right. He was like, she's gone. And, or he said, I'm detecting no heartbeat. And I just remember putting my hand over my face and thinking, are you freaking kidding me? And I was mad. I was mad at him because I knew this is what I've been yelling at you for two weeks. Mm -hmm. and I was mad at everything, and I was scared. I was sad. I didn't know what I was going to tell Kylie, and so I just kind of sat there in shock, and then I remember the nurse came and patted my shoulder and left and whatever, but I, he sat me up, and this is where things got really unfortunate, but he sat me up, and he said, okay, so you're about 20 weeks, your options are to go to Houston and have the baby or you can just have her at home. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, you want me to go home and have my baby at 20 weeks when I have a history of hemorrhaging? Hemorrhaging. Yeah. And what do you do after you? I mean, it's just, that's not just something I don't think anybody should have to do or would know what to do. Yeah, And I told him, I was like, well, my husband's not here. Can I think it over? And he's like, yeah, call me. I'm home all day. That was the big part. He said, I am here all day. And um, he said, call me anytime and we'll figure it out. And so I left and I opened the door and I think they told my mother-in-law already. I had my sunglasses on so like nobody would see my face. Mm -hmm. And, um, she was crying and I told her, I was like, stop, you know, <laughs> cause she had Kylie and I was mm-hmm. like, I, I'm not ready for that part yet. And so we both like choked it up and, um, we checked out and she said, I need to go home with you. And I said, no, I need to be alone. You know, I need you to take Kylie, give me 
about an hour or two. I'll meet you later. And she really wanted to go home with me. I was like, no, I'm fine. I need to, I need to just recollect. I've got to call Dean, you know, like, and so I finally convinced her to um, take Kylie and I called Dean in the parking lot and the poor guy, he was on a tour bus for a museum. And so he had 30 somewhat strangers with him. And yeah. And so I called and he said, how did it go? And I couldn't even say any, I couldn't even get it out. And I was like, she's gone. Mm. And it was just kind of silence. And he's like, really? So now what? And I was like, I don't even know. And he said, I'll call you. He's like, hold on. And he was like, you know, he just kind of had to go do his own thing mm-hmm. and, um, and cope in his way. And, and so we kind of just had a short 30 second phone conversation where I just said, I don't know what we do. She's gone. I don't know. (laughs) And so we hung up the phone and I drove in circles around Midland, Texas. I, I just, I remember thinking like, where am I going? (laughs) And I was just bawling the whole time. I hadn't even called my mom. And, uh, I remember screaming on the top of my lungs, (laughs) you know, just, I just had to like have that that release. Yes. That little five yeah. minutes of, and I remember like, I got to this one part in the road and I think someone cut me off or something. They probably didn't do anything wrong. It was just the timing of everything. And, um, I remember screaming, like, I told you, you know, like I remember screaming because I knew she was gone, you know, for the last yeah. two weeks, I knew it. And my doctor never listened to me. And, So that was so frustrating for me because then I was like, my husband was home and at the doctor's office with us. If you would have just done what we asked you to, he would have been here with me for me, you know, and I could be there for him. And so I was really mad at that. And I mean, now I look back and I'm like, I needed to cope by myself and Dean needed to cope by himself. But so, I mean, it was kind of a God thing. We weren't together because I think we would have bottled a lot of it in rather than Mm. release it. But, um, I I then called my mom and she's answered the phone and she goes, I need to call you right back. And I said, no, you don't. She said, well, what's wrong? And I said, I lost the baby. And she goes, oh, bleep. (laughs) Mm. And I've never in my 36 years heard my mother even cuss. And she goes, I'll call you right back. And so... I get home and I remember falling into this one spot in my house, like on my knees. I remember throwing a tissue on the ground that I left there for two days because I didn't want to touch it, you know, and I just remember just bawling and letting all these emotions out that I, you know, have bottled up for the last two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And so I remember I called my sister-in-law. I called... Like, my sister-in-law, um, the one that lives in Lubbock, she she took it pretty hard. I And I remember, like, that was one thing for me is I was always thinking about my emotions on it. And it was like, wait a minute, this is their niece, you know? Like, this mm-hmm. is their grandchild, their, their cousin, their sister, you know? Like, there's other people that this is going to affect as well. And... Um, and so I finally called everybody. Uh, I texted my brother and I said, I can't get a hold of you. 
I need to talk to you. And he said, well, I'm in court. He's a, a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And I said, when you have a break, you need to call me. And um, he called. And I did not expect him to take it as hard as he did. Like, oh. he, he, I think he, like, couldn't go back to court or something. Or I remember his wife called me. And she's like, Austin just called me. And like, hysterical you know and she's like what, what's going on and and she's a doctor and um she actually saved the day I say but um so by the time I had called everybody got a hold of my brother um he called his wife his wife called me uh, she's like okay you know she's a doctor so she's like all right what are we doing now what what's the next step <clears throat> and I was like well he told me <clears throat> I need to go to Houston or I need to just go to my bathroom. And she's like, what? That is absolutely yeah, unreal. Yeah. I, also, like, why is he – I mean, I'm not a doctor. I wanted to be a doctor. And I'm a birth doula and, like, all of these things. And I'm like, who would recommend someone, like, in your state with your mm-hmm. history do that at home? And why could the hospital that he worked with not deliver you? Like, that's exactly. what I'm like why is this man doing this? And honestly, the thing that's coming to my main, my head is he's covering his own butt of, you know, like if she's not at the hospital I deliver at, they won't know. I can send her to Houston and, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, man, that just blows my mind. Oh yeah. And I mean, and it was kind of like at the time, like when you go through something for the first time you think this is normal, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and so of course I was just thinking, I guess this, I'm so far along that I go to Houston. And then I was thinking, there's miscarriages that happen daily. And this is what hospitals are for. Yeah. And so I remember I called the doctor back and I said, because we had made the decision, Dean and I, that we were going to stay in Midland and we were going to go to the hospital, whether we beat down the door or drove to Lubbock, we were going to have it locally. you know do all this locally and so I called the doctor and the nurse who had cussed me earlier said um he just got on a plane so he can't talk to you right now and I was like um he told me he was here all day so I knew that was a lie and it was just he pushed me off 100% and from the beginning is what it sounds like. Just yes. like from the beginning. Yeah. From the very first ultrasound when he was like, she sounds great. And I'm like, no, she doesn't. And then the next time I went in and he was like, she's healthy. And I was like, what? Last time you were saying like you're sending me to a heart specialist. You know, it was just he had absolutely no emotional ties to his patient whatsoever. Not at all. None or, at all. Or concern. Yes, Absolutely. And, and it actually gets worse. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. And of course it, of course it does. Course, Cause look at what course. he started out as. Yeah. 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 Well, and especially like the whole with him getting the blood results in and that taking three weeks, like that just, I feel like if I had a patient that was that scared, I would make sure I get that in, you know, yeah. like it was just baffled to me, but so I told her, well, this is what we're doing. And whether he likes it or not, like, this is what's happening. So I need him to put me on his schedule. And she said, well, he actually said if it was his wife, he would send her to Houston. I was like, what's in Houston? Like, what's what's the deal with Houston? 
And she, the nurse, had said, well, with your history of hemorrhaging, we feel more comfortable with um, you going to Houston. And I was like, honestly, I didn't have my first hemorrhage in Houston, so let's just be prepared. I'm only 20 weeks, so my body may not even know I'm pregnant. You know, like, I mean, she's been gone for how long? And... And I was just like, I don't care. So they kept blowing me off, basically. And also, so, so is this like the only doctor in Midland? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, yeah, just so a hospital's going to reject you just because he's not doing it. I just, yeah, that's just. I, I know. It was just really, it was really weird. And he was the doctor on call that weekend. So, you know, the one who just got on an airplane. Yeah, I was like, uh, just left. Yeah. <laughs> I know how that works, and that's not how it works. So. Yeah, that's not how any of that works. And so my sister-in-law, who's the doctor, she has a doctor Facebook page she's in or something. And she had posted, this is what my sister-in-law is going through. Anybody know any OBs in Midland, Texas? And this other female doctor um, here in Midland, she said, I'm here in Midland. Um, Here's my number. Have her call me. And so I called this this doctor. And on a Friday night, because my doctor wouldn't even take my phone call. Who's on a plane? (laughs) Yeah, who's on an imaginary plane. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's her cell phone. I could hear her kids in the background. And she was 100% sympathetic. And she was like, this is not right. This is, he's being a coward and he's not helping you. You're like, I couldn't even cope. Like I was, the whole time I was helping other people cope. And then I was planning on how to do this. Yeah. And that's the doctor's job, you know, like mm-hmm. I shouldn't be planning you what should, doctor. Yeah. You should be able to walk into the facility or the hospital and then take care of you 100% and you not have to like worry or plan or do anything whatsoever. Like that's yeah. just, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. We shouldn't be on Facebook trying to find a doctor to help me. Exactly. And, yeah. And so when she asked, who's your doctor? I told her the name and she said, well, crud, he's my partner. Oh and no. So, yeah. And she was like, well, I can't take you because he's my partner and that would be a conflict of inch or something along that where you can't take. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. There's, and, there's stipulations when they're partnered yes. up like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so she said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to call him and I'm going to yell at him. <laughs> and so she hung up the phone with me. She called my doctor, basically ripped into him. And he called me about 20 minutes later and he said, how about Monday morning at eight o'clock? And I said, done. <laughs> And so then, of course, the the lady doctor called back, and she had made sure everything was good, and, and she's like, okay, thank you. So if it wasn't for her and my sister-in-law setting that up, I don't know what we would have done. Yeah. And so uh, he actually wanted to do it on Sunday, but we had to get Dean home. And uh, so Dean finally came home. I remember, like... That was Friday night. I think it was like 9 p.m. by the time I was able to schedule something. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so I went home. Uh, uh, Kylie at the time, I don't even know who she stayed with. I'm pretty sure it was my sister-in-law. I don't know. <laughs> you know, Somebody. So it was, 
Somebody. She was in good hands. Hey, ladies. Thank you so much for listening today. I wanted to take a quick break to extend an invitation to all the listeners. If you have a story that you really want to share with Circles of Gold, please contact me. I would love to get your story out there. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook. And if you know me personally, just shoot me a text or call me. We'll get that set up. Enjoy the rest of the show. So I went home and I remember just laying there on my bed. I didn't sleep. I remember like just soaking in the bathtub. I I just was just in a fog for two days. Mm -hmm. And Dean came home and we... We're very closet criers is what I kind of call it. We're closet mourners. Mm. And so we didn't really talk about it much. Like, we kind of just hugged each other like normal and, you know, kind of just went along our way and, you know, did what we needed to do. And and then Monday morning, we woke up and we set our alarms and we woke up before our alarms went off. And we both got up. We didn't even say two words to each other till we got to the hospital. <laughs> like, it was just that awkward silence of, I don't even know what to say right now. Like, is this really where we are in life, yeah. you know? And so we went to the hospital, and um, the nurse I had was absolutely amazing. And, like, I wish I could find her four years later and like hug her she was just like sin from heaven I swear she was made to be my nurse Mm -hmm. that day and she said okay on a on a scale from zero to ten with zero being Tylenol and ten being snowed how do you want to do this because at that point I don't need an epidural I don't have to have precautions you know because I can take basically anything Mm -hmm. and it's not going to harm the baby And I told her, I said, I want to be so snowed that I'm oblivious. (laughs) It's basically, I was like, I don't want to live this. And and I did tell the nurse when I first came in, I was like, are you guys going to do an ultrasound or anything? And she's like, no, I don't have um, orders for one. And she said, do you need us to do one? And I said, no, but I do want you to know if if we do this and this baby comes out okay, I'm going to scream and kill somebody. (laughs) Yeah. And she was just laughing. She's like, you're fine. I'm, I'm, I can do one. But I mean, and I was like, I know deep down in my heart, she's gone. And I just, with the history of the doctor, I was like, I would not be surprised if, you know, something, yeah, something fluke happened. happened. Yeah. And so we um, had done the medicine. I progressed pretty fast with this one. Um I mean, Kylie, like I said, took 26 hours. This one, we kind of had a, but we gave me like much, 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 much stronger medicine. Yeah. Um, and so I only had to get to about a seven and then, I mean, cause she was so tiny yeah. and, um, whenever the doctor had told me she was gone on Friday, I had told him, I was like, am I going to have to push? And he was like, I am going to do my best to make sure you don't have to. That was probably the only thing he was sympathetic on. And um, so it was time. They broke my water. And he did tell me, he said, there's a good chance when I break your water, she's going to come with it. And I was like, okay. You know, and like I said, we're very level-headed closet mortars. 
And so like even the nurse at one point, she was like, y'all are very upbeat. She's like, you're not the usual, you know, um, miscarriage type we get. And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, I was like, don't, don't, don't you worry. When we get home, we will both be distraught. And I was like, but we're, you know, we're very, I don't know how to even word that, but we're just very quiet about our emotions. And, um, so he said, here, you know, here we go. You know, if you, um, want to push and I was like, no. And so he broke the water and sure enough, she came with the water, but she got, you know, stuck in that little canal, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he said, Jerry, you're going to have to do just a tiny push. And I did a little tiny push and she, like, I don't know how gory you want me to get, but I can hear her flop out mm. basically. And that, that sound was probably the hardest of all of it. Yeah. Was just that lifeless plop. And so he then, I don't even think he picked her up. I think the nurse had asked, do you want me to place her on your chest? Which I did not have that with Kylie. And I had a lot of anxiety postpartum after Kylie because I wanted that. And, yeah. with, and with Sadie, I was scared because I was scared of hemorrhaging and everything like that. So I was like, um, not just yet. Like I was just, I didn't know what to think. And so he um, – Got the placenta out, okay, everything was fine. He's like, you're good, you're not hemorrhaging. And I was like, okay. And so then we uh, laid down, they laid down Sadie on the same bed. They do uh, full-term babies. Mm-hmm. And the doctor walked over, glanced at her, and walked out of the room. And that was the end of him. Wow. Did I he mean, ever say, like, I'm so sorry? Like, did he ever acknowledge, like, I'm so sorry that we missed this or anything like that? No, the only time he did was when he actually um, did the ultrasound in his office and he said, I wish I would have heard you Tuesday. Mm. I was like, yeah, my husband would have been here. Like, I I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, um, And so that was the end of him. He never came back. I never, I saw him my six weeks. He does do my annuals now. And he is a very good... Um, oh, I don't know the difference between a uh, gyno. Gen- is that, yes. Yeah. He's very good at that, but he's not good with pregnancy whatsoever. I feel like, mm. and he, on a personal level, like he did lose his son, his two year old son around the same time all that happened. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, there was like a swimming accident and, uh, his son, like literally the same, but it was all after I had Sadie. It was uh, the week after. So I don't know if there was anything leading up to the accident of his son or what. But his son ended up passing away two years later um, from the accident. But but still, like I said, I mean, it didn't happen until five days after I had Sadie, I believe. Mm. And so I don't know what his deal was. Maybe I've heard that he's like that with everybody, though. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we had Sadie, we held her, we talked to her, you know, she was from my palm to my fingertips and she 100% looked like a Haskin. 
And Mm. I thought that was the funniest thing because like our little Haskin babies, they all have like this curved down lip. Like my husband has it, his granddad had it, his dad has it. And I was calling the Haskin lips and she had it. (laughs) And I was like, she's got the Haskin lips and she had the big old Haskin cheeks. And, (laughs) and I mean, she was just like the cutest little chubby little thing. And, um, we had my mother-in-law come up to see her and, uh, she saw her for a little bit. And then my sister-in-law came up to see her and, you know, we just cried together and, you know, and, and there was once that Dean left to go do something. Um, and I was alone with Sadie and I remember just holding her and just saying, what happened? Like, what was the deal? You know, just talking to her and, and then, uh, there was shift change and then we had another nurse come in and she had told me, you know, uh, Hey, look, like you need to make a decision is exactly what her words And she's like, you need to either get her, send her to a funeral home or what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I think like, can we donate her to science and, you know, help another baby have like this heart problem that we didn't know what it was like. And she said verbatim, no, if you give her to the hospital, we'll throw her in a trash can. Shut up. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And oh my goodness. Like yes. that because every parent wants to hear that this hospital is going to just throw their child who they just just had. had yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean verbatim and I I oh. ended up telling on her a week later. Oh, please yes, because yeah. that is ridiculous. I know. Like and if you don't have a heart, why are you in healthcare? I'm sorry. Well, and it's like why are you even on this floor when you know that this this is a common thing and and she even had a nurse with her so I think she was training and so I mean she was awful and um we ended up cremating her and the reason why we did that was because my family is all cremated Dean's family has a family farm and a family um like cemetery uh, cemetery yes and so Dean's probably going to be buried and I said well when I'm buried or when I pass away, if you choose to cremate me, mix me with Sadie's ashes. Oh, that makes me want to cry. I know. <laughs> and then bury both of us with Dean if he oh passes. My yeah. Goodness. Way to go, Jerry. You made me oh, I know. tear up. Oh, that's I know. So we and it's just it's, it's just, just to be together again. You yeah. Know? Oh. Exactly. Well, and what's crazy is Sadie's broom was gonna be gold and white. And we go to the funeral home to pick up her urn, and lo and behold, it was gold. And it was inside of a teddy bear with a gold thing tied around its neck. And, I mean, it's just, like, all these little things that were so meant to be. And she's still on our our dresser in our bedroom. Mm. And, uh, and ironically tomorrow is the four-year anniversary of all this Mm. and it does not get any easier I mean it does throughout the year but when it comes down to the actual day of it it's like an emotional blur yeah yeah and I mean I always like talk to Kylie about Sadie we use her name we um 
I talked to Aubrey. I had a I had a baby a year exactly a year later. She turns three um, in two weeks, I think, um, or next week. Uh, I talked to her about Sadie. I mean, of course, she doesn't know who it is, but I mean, I asked her. I'm like, "Did you meet Sadie in heaven?" <laughs> you know, I always ask her that, and she just like looks at me like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> like, but, who's Sadie? I keep yeah. hearing this name. I don't know. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so, um, you know, it's something we always just talk about. And with, um, like, my mom has a necklace with all her grandkids' birthstones. We always include Sadie. Uh, mm-hmm. When we announce pregnancies and give Nana, you know, gifts with the kids' names on it, we always have Sadie. Like, Sadie is forever a grandchild. Yeah. and And it's, you know, like... I was made to be a mother of girls and, you know, I have my angel in heaven and, and, uh, and like one thing about pregnancy or miscarriage, I should say, is it's this bondhood and this club that you've never wanted to be a part of. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when you're in this club, you don't want to be a part of it, but it's yeah. a band of women who understand to a certain point what you're going through and, um, like, I've met a few friends, even on Facebook, never met them in person. And, like, there's this one girl that lives in Waco, and she had a miscarriage the same week I had mine, and we were both pregnant. And our second, our angel babies, our rainbow babies, were expected a week from each other. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and hers were all boys, and mine were all girls. And uh, so we kind of bonded throughout that. And, I mean, it's like... I know they say like every one in three women have a miscarriage and, Mm -hmm. and I mean, that's the truth. Like announcing our miscarriage and talking about it openly. Like there's so many people that come out of the woodworks that you didn't know about and that you can relate to and you develop friendships over. And, um, and I mean, it's a sucky club to be a part of, but it's, the only amount of people who can understand what you go through. Yeah. And like even my husband, I mean, I mean, he totally lost a baby and you know, he, he has a baby in heaven, but he doesn't understand the, the significance of holding that baby in your belly for, you Mm -hmm. know, however long and, and feeling those kicks and, and having to do, even if it is just one little push, you know, like, the emotional trauma that you go through. And, um, and I mean, every year I do a little walk here in Midland. They have a miscarriage awareness walk that we all go through and they say Sadie's name. They list everybody's names and they say it all. And, and we just try to glorify her in every way possible. And, uh, and like their Sadie's, um, crib, uh, shoot the nursery fabric I guess Mm -hmm. my my sister-in-law was gonna make her bedding and so we had all the fabric for it and we made a quilt for me a quilt for Kylie and a quilt for Aubrey Mm. and then uh we made little headbands for all the girls with some of the fabric and you know so we always try to just kind of incorporate hair throughout your life you know yes for sure for sure and uh this is the funny thing I have this journal that I started when I was pregnant with Kylie and it's my journal to my kids. 
And basically, like every couple weeks, I write in it, which I haven't done it in quite a while. But I write in it, kind of tell the girls, like, this is where you're at. This is, you know, what y'all been up to. This is how I feel about you. Kind of just tell them my life as their mother. And Mm -hmm. I want to pass it on to them. And so one day after I had Aubrey, I was writing in it and I was doodling, you know, uh, Kylie and Aubrey and Sadie and Jerry. And I was like, wait a minute, all of our names, the first initials, J for Jerry, K for Kylie, A for Aubrey, S for Sadie. That's my uh, main name initials Mm. was Jerry, Catherine, Ann Sanford. And it's J-K-A-S. And so it's just like little things like that, that God is telling me like Sadie is you, like Sadie is a part of you. Like, because I mean, a lot of people just don't really look at miscarriage as still part of the family. Like, you know, I lost a baby. It is what it is. And she very much is 100% a part of us. And, and um, so, I mean, I just try to you know, it's like something you really think you forget and you don't. Like, I can still smell it. I can still smell the day, you know, like, I could still feel her in the palm of my hand and and every, I could still hear the beeping of the machines and everything. I mean, it's just, it's something that will forever, and I hope it forever sticks with me. Yeah. And, um, and you know, one day we'll be reunited and... And she'll be 100% healthy and beautiful, and and she's just making a good home for us up there. So, oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah, I remember when you were going through this, and and you posted about it, and I was just like, oh my goodness, because I saw I I met you before you guys actually got pregnant with um, your first baby, and so yes. I saw you go through that, and I remember when you guys were you know living in in the trailer or whatever for 30 days when she was in the NICU. And I remember you guys going through that and then to turn around and go through this, I was just like, Oh my goodness, how hard that has to be. Um, Yeah. What it was like, how much more can we take? Yeah. Yeah. And And so I remember, I remember just kind of watching you walk through that a little bit on social media because we were in different cities at the time. And, um, and then I remember when you guys got pregnant with, um, Aubrey, th- Aubrey, I was like, Which yes. one is it? <laughs> Aubrey yes. and how excited you guys were. And, and I just remember thinking, I hope that she enjoys this pregnancy, even though she went through a really hard last pregnancy and even with her first baby. So yeah, yeah I, I remember that really. Really well. And that's kind of why I was like, you know, I feel like Jerry has a story that a lot of people don't really know because, you know, you don't meet people and be like, oh, yeah, I lost a baby. You know, it's yeah. something you you kind of just learn over time when you get to know people. But it's a really good story of like, this is what happened and this is, you know, yeah. how we are now. So, yeah. Well, and like Aubrey, I feel like she was the perfect bookend and you know, a little bit of an example of how pregnancy should be without all the scares. And um, because, I mean, our first two were 100% scary the entire time. Yeah. And like with Aubrey, hers was still scared because I was, I was scared, you know, and. um, Were you just kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop? Oh, yes, absolutely. 
And um, I remember it was the week of the anniversary of Aubrey or Sadie. And I went in with Aubrey for my ultrasound and the cord was wrapped around her neck and I had lost it. Like, I was like, I can't do it. I can't, we need to take her. Cause she was, I think 37 weeks. And I was like, we need to take her now. Like, we need to take her out now, now, now. And, um, my doctor like just insured me. He was like, we got this, you know? And I had a very amazing doctor. I was going to say you had a new doctor this time. (laughs) Oh yes. Very amazing. And the whole time, like I told him from the very beginning, this is my story. And he was like, you call me every day if you need to. And he's like, you come in every day if you need to. And I, I did. There was sometimes I went in and I was like, I just need a heart rate check. Yeah. And, but he was a godsend. Like I loved him. And, uh, and he understood my fear and he just, he was calm. <clears throat> excuse me. He was calming. He was gentle. You know, he was just what I needed for that pregnancy. And, uh, and lo and behold, we have our little Spitfire Aubrey out of it. <laughs> I love seeing your post because her and my now three-year-old, who just turned three, like, in June, are so identical. And I tell you that all the time. Like, you'll post something, yes. and I'm like, that is so my three-year-old right now. Like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do with these kids? <laughs> They're insane. Well, and, like, oh I have my, my hashtag, Aubrey's down. Like, uh-huh. I love hilarious. those. <laughs> she, and it's like, a lot of people think she's sleeping. She's not sleeping. She's throwing a silent fit and she just gets mad and just plays dead basically. (laughs) And she just lays on the ground and just throws a silent fit. And every now and then she'll fall asleep. I mean, in the beginning when she was a little bit younger, she would definitely fall asleep. And now it's just, she just stares at me. But um, yeah, she's freaking hilarious. I mean, she's, (laughs) she's amazing. (laughs) I love it. <laughs> and yeah. the best thing is like the other day she threw a Ar- Aubrey's down and I was holding her and she just plays dead. I mean, she like goes like limp. <laughs> yes. And like legs are dangling and everything. And I, of course, can't get a picture of it because I'm holding her. And um, I just happened to like run across a, a friend's mom who's friends with me on Facebook. And she's like, is this an Aubrey's down? I was like, this is a mid air Aubrey's down. Like, this is a unique one that nobody's seen yet. (laughs) And I mean, she's 100% silent and just, you know, like, have you ever seen the friends episode where Phoebe gets Monica, the little retro vending machine or no, it's the arcade game. Yes. And then Monica tries to get Phoebe out of the chair and Monica, uh, Phoebe goes limp and plays dead. That's what Aubrey does. <laughs> I'm so oh, into, I'm love like, it. Stop it. She I love it. She just cracks me up. Yeah. She keeps, keeps you on your toes. She does for sure, man. You she's, know. she's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That was, yeah. that was a really good story. And I love that you felt comfortable enough to share that story with everyone. So yes, thank you. How have you grown as a person from your experience through all of that? Well, one thing I've realized is not to take things for granted and, Mm -hmm. you know, especially, and not to compare myself to others. Like if I see someone going through something small in my eyes for their pregnancy, I'm like, you know what, like this could be moving mountains for them. And to me, I'm like, you have no idea, but you know, like 
a lot of sympathy and empathy for others is a big thing. And also like, like one thing is, like I said, when I announced it, people came through the woodworks saying that they had been there. And so I make sure I do that to others. So if someone else goes through it, I always reach out to them. And that's good. Yeah. Because I just, I, you need someone and you don't think you do. And, uh, you know, you just never know who is looking for someone like you whenever Mm -hmm. they go through that. Yeah. And it's just not validation, but like, I went through this too. I see you. I know what you're going through and I'm here for you when you're ready and you need me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Um, what does life look like now for you guys? Um, we are done having babies. <laughs> <laughs> we have closed down the factory and we, you know, like we are Dave Ramsey advocates, uh, more my husband than me. But so we are trying to get everything paid off so we can go and travel and enjoy and, you know, like, I I have always said I would love to adopt because I'm adopted Mm -hmm. and you know, like I feel like part of me needs that little boy in my (laughs) life, but I I feel like this is, this is my story. You know, this is my life. This is what God wanted for me. And, and so now I think we're just gonna, you know, enjoy the two little angels we've got now and, and travel and have fun and take them places and, and, uh, you know, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> Enjoy life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. So like you said, you're adopted. I definitely, we're going to have you back on the show because I really want to dig into that as an adoptive mom. I like yes. to see or to hear from other people that have been in this situation that my kids have been in. I know it's a different situation maybe, but just how you process that and like how you, you know what I mean? Just, yeah, I well, think it'd be I- really I cool think to that's have. huge. Yeah. And I have so many friends who have adopted and I always tell them like, Hey, when they get to this age, get ready for this, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that would be amazing for us to dig into that because I like to he- like tell people my side of it, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean, it, like you said, it's a, it may be a different story, but there's, there's a lot of, and the more I talk to other moms who've adopted and they're, kids are older and they go through the same stuff that I did. I'm like, okay, I wasn't as crazy as I thought I was, you know, going through <laughs> yeah. these emotions growing up. And, and so, yeah, I would love to do that. That's, yes. it's, it's a fun story for me too. So awesome. Yay. I'm full of stories. <laughs> I love stories. You know, yes. I feel like, especially in today's world, like we're all connected through social media and things like that. And that's great. I love that. But I feel like it's almost like a surface thing in some cases. And I feel like sharing people's stories, it makes you almost more like appreciate someone more Mm -hmm. of like, man, I've seen where you've been and I just want to know you more or I'm, I'm grateful for you or I don't know. It just like brings out a different sense of love for people versus Mm -hmm. just a surface thing. And that's part of some of the reason why I started this was just getting stories out there and showing other people like we're not all perfect. Like we seem to want to look like on social media. We all have stories and we don't all, we don't just like blast them 
you know? Yeah. And I felt like this is a good opportunity to not technically blast them, but to share them in a safe space and a place where people can connect through those stories, you know? And I had a coworker, I was telling her about this podcast and what I was going to talk about. And she said, that is so amazing that you can advocate for all these other women who are going through this and they can have something to lean on or understand or relate to. And, uh, you know, it, it, you never know. It could be, it could touch one person who's like, I understand this and I needed to hear that and, and hear that it's okay that four years later, it still hurts, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to talk about and, you know, like we, we have little S's around our house for Sadie and, you know, like it's okay to incorporate that baby in your life because it's not, it's not a hidden thing. It's not Mm -hmm. something to be ashamed of. It's, it's something that unfortunately you had to go through. And unfortunately there's other people in the world that go through it. And the more love and understanding you can have, the the better I feel like. Yeah, for sure. Because I I I would not be able to go through that alone, and mm. and so if they're you know I would hate for anybody to have to go through that alone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Jerry. I yes. really appreciate you coming on, and I really look forward to our next story because I know that would that one's going to be just as this is amazing. So yes. thank you so so much. For sure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this story as much as I did. Please leave a review and subscribe to our podcast.